Take a deep breath with me. Good morning. Welcome uh, again. I'm Brad, for those of you um, who are newer. And I have really been looking forward to preaching today and um, guiding us together. And I want to invite us as kind of a, a first step to sort of warm us up a little bit and get us into this, um, to think about a story and then turn and share it. So I, um, can I get the clicker actually? Is that, oh, thank you. All right. Um, I want to invite you to think about a time when you've been wholehearted in a moment or experience. And you can think about wholehearted as like, all in or fully present, fully alive, okay? Any kind of experience. I'm going to give you just a second to, like, think about what comes to mind. Does not have to be a holy experience, but a wholehearted, really present, okay? All right, turn to one or two people around you and just share what came to mind. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to wrap that up. Some of you are way done. Other, other of you have stories to tell. Just kind of wrap it up. Okay. I'm curious about um, not, not the details of those stories, but I'm curious about some of the, the themes or sort of categories of what came to mind for people. All right, so what, kind of share out, what, what were some of the like themes or, or categories of experiences? John. Okay. Yeah, it's easy to be wholehearted when you're on vacation. That's good, yeah. What else, what other kinds of experiences? Sports, okay. Uh, participating or watching? Coaching. Coaching, yeah, participating, great. Good. Roller coasters, nice. Wow, okay. Can you just raise your hand if like roller coasters or, all right, that's really interesting, okay. All right, what else, what other categories? Family? Family time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You were going to share? Yeah. Shared music. Yeah. Good. Making music together. Julian and I had a little wholehearted moment up here. I looked at him and he just, his face just was <gasps> lit up. It's my favorite. Yeah, kids, kids are a theme. Um, I wanna share a quick story with you <clears throat> about a moment that came to mind for me when I thought about being wholehearted this past summer. This is like a vacation and a difficult physical experience. Um, we went to Yosemite. Um, this was 
originally Anna's uh, idea, and she said last December, um, hey, we're, uh, Caleb and I, her boyfriend, we're thinking about hiking Half Dome, and, and, and like, let's do that together. I was like, yes! Uh, I've never climbed Half Dome before. Have any of you uh, climbed Half Dome before? Okay, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh yeah, that sounds awesome and terrifying. And so, you know, we spent a long time preparing and we had to do a lot to, to get ready for it. We had to make reservations. We got an incredible campsite and um, we had to get passes and, or permits and then we actually didn't get permits and then until the day or two days before. So anyway, we were, we were there in August and we were camping together and doing kind of other things. And then uh, a few of us went on this experience and you hike up, you know, it's like nine miles of hiking up and then you get to the top and then you look at this. And if you can see, it's a little hard to see, but there are, um, actually that's us over here sort of getting ready and we're terrified because up there are the people who are climbing up the last part on cables and, um, you know, you're, you're sort of like this, and you're like pulling yourself from thing to thing. And we're not climber people, we're just hiker people. And so this was a terrifying experience. Uh, a lot of people get to that point and just go, nah, right, which is just fine. And <clears throat> by the way, you have to hike nine miles back down after you finish, and you have to do this in the day, you know, in the, before you run out of daylight. So anyway, we got to that point. Um, I honestly was fine to not go up. Joel, however, really wanted to go up, therefore I went up. And I want to, part of why it came to mind as a wholehearted experience, because I had to be 100% present in that experience. It was terrifying. It took every ounce of physical, like, presence and ability that I had or didn't have or wasn't sure that I had. Um, and it, it was, it was all-encompassing. It was all-encompassing. And this was us after uh, going to the top and coming back down, and then we turned around and did that long hike the rest of the way. Um, full presence, wholeheartedness. This year we're trusting God together as a church body, and one of the, one of the pieces of that is trusting God together in wholehearted worship. And um, I, we have questions about this, and we had a fascinating conversation in our communion gathering last night, because I mentioned that I would be preaching about this today, and this, this garnered some, some questions and some skepticism and some uh, pushing a little bit. And, I, and if Warren walks out the door, then we know things went sideways, okay? <laughs> so this is just my, Warren's my barometer here. <clears throat> All right, so that's, yeah. But this is how we've kind of articulated this as human beings and a local expression of the body of Christ. Worshiping God is our primary vocation. This year, we renew our commitment to gathering together for wholehearted worship, open to the Spirit's movement in, among, and through us. In, among, and through us. And so we're going to begin to dig into that a little bit today together. And thank you for, for setting the scene, uh, setting the table for this. Um, John in our music, and, uh, and Rachel in that reading, and Diane in that prayer, and I feel like we've set the scene well for this conversation. Um, 
And I do want to clarify that we're talking about all of worship here. And we are talking about worship beyond a Sunday morning, but we're, we're talking about Sunday morning as, our, as, our, uh, as like the locus of that, as a, collect as a collective body. I want to think about being wholehearted as being here now, like really here, really present, not lured by the glow and buzz of all that makes us half-hearted in so many of our interactions. Being trusting um, and open and expectant. And we, we have this verse that we've connected with this from Psalm 13. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And the first thing that I wanted to, to say as we think about practices for wholehearted worship is that this particular psalm, the, it, it is a lament. So this verse is couched in this song that asks, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? But I trust in your unfailing love. There's, there's a lot of question here. There's a lot of pain here. This kind of trust is born out of the sort of knowing that follows disappointment and loss and desperation. And so I want to say that... Um, that this, is, this kind of trust is not an oxymoron, it's a, it's a paradox. And faith invites us to hold together in tension things that maybe don't seem like they go together. And I think that's what worship invites us to do. And so part of the practice here is that trust has a past, and it's okay to say it. It's okay to talk about the past or even the present of trust that makes it hard for us to trust God. I think that is wholehearted worship together. That we come and sometimes we ask, how long, O Lord? That we come and we are honest and we talk about the past that got us to the place of trust. Um, because someone else may be in that place of how long, O Lord, when we are in a place of, but I trust. And that is wholehearted worship together. This passage that, that Rachel read for us, um, I want to just highlight as the next practice that Paul here in Romans is offering us, is, is urging us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, that this is our true worship. Offering our bodies is a practice. Worship is bodily, showing up here together. It takes our physical bodies to do something. Ooh, sorry, that was exciting. Um, and sometimes that takes a lot. Sometimes getting here is about as much as we can manage. And that is our wholehearted offering for the day. Um, centering ourselves here is bodily. Moving our bodies together, opening our hands together, maybe even letting tears 
have a place or letting laughter have a place. These are things we do with our bodies as we offer ourselves in worship. Receiving one another. Receiving one another. Giving someone a hug. Um, offering one another gifts. Offering one another this meal. These are all bodily things we do. And I want to talk a little bit about moving together. Because we're in this place, we move together. And we've done that this morning. We stood up together, we sat down together, we sang together. And I want to talk a little bit about movement um, as, we, uh, as we get going. Because something happens when we move together. So researchers find when we move in unison, or even just listen to the same music, our bodies are more connected than we realize. That physiologically, we become in tune with each other, okay? And I want to um, do something that might be a little counterintuitive, and I want to invite us to actually do the wave. <laughs> so we're going to go back to sports. Justin stepped out, but this is a sports moment, okay, for some of you who enjoy being at ball games and doing the wave together, or even those of you who get annoyed by it. We're going to actually, we're going to start on this side of the room. I'm going to need your help, Okay. And these folks over here are going to start us, and we're going to do the wave around the room. Can we do it? Can we do it? Can you help us? Section over here. All right, ready? One, two, three, go. Nice. Can it go back? Oh, Jake! <laughs> nice. Okay, give yourselves a hand. All right, okay. All right. Um. Whew. The wave is a study in collective movement, and there's actually been there's studies of like the psychology and physics of the wave at sports events. So it does typically roll clockwise at about 20 seats per second. Um, it doesn't require very many people to start. It only takes about 20 people to start the wave in a big stadium of thousands of people which is fascinating. And the key is to strike when the mood of the crowd is just right. Either when there's nothing going on or when the home team is about to win. Okay, If you do it at any more intense time than that, people get really annoyed with you. And there's something that's going on there that, um, that sociologist Emile Durkheim actually a, a couple centuries ago called collective effervescence. Collective effervescence, this idea of when we're together and we're sharing space, that something kind of magical happens. Something magical happens when we are energized together, when we're cheering together, when we're singing together, when we're together in a space. And I, and I want to say that like, there's something deeply true about how we were made that gets activated when we're doing these things together. And when we worship together, that is part of what happens. Something gets activated in us that we need, that we need that to be healthy and to be human um, and to be spiritual. There's a lot of research out there about awe, um, and, and I want to I wanna just kind of briefly invite us um, in these experiences, like being in a big crowd together, sharing something meaningful together, we experience awe. And we experience awe in nature. We experience awe um, 
in experiences that get us outside ourselves. Outside ourselves. Awe is a feeling of being in the presence of something vast that transcends your current understanding of the world. And we need to have these kind of experiences outside of this place and come and talk about them. And we need to have them together, that a lot of times we experience awe in the presence of other people, in the presence of the beauty of something that someone shares, in the presence of, of kindness, in the presence of feeling connected with other people. Um, and, and we need this, and I, I'm going to skip a story here, but I want to, um, some of you have been in a book study about Brene Brown's Guideposts for or Wholehearted Living, which, sorry, this is in The Gifts of Imperfection. There it is. And um, there's a whole list here, but this one I really like. Um, letting go of cool and always in control and cultivating laughter, song, and dance. That these are sometimes the experiences that cultivate, that open us to cultivating awe because we need a certain level of vulnerability and openness. Um, trusting God in wholehearted worship, it, it invites us not to overthink it. I would say we're, we lean towards being an over-cerebral church, okay, not an over-emotional church. And so I want to say up front, wholehearted worship is not about trying to manipulate anyone into any sort of emotion, okay? That's not what we're talking about. At the same time, I think sometimes um, some of us have had experiences in churches where we felt like we were asked to check our brains and our intellects at the door. I think at Mountainside, sometimes the temptation or fear is to check our emotions at the door. And so I think this invitation is for us to hold all of that together, to come as whole persons, to come as whole persons into this space and not worry about being judged. Not worry about being judged. Um, that we worship as who we are without judgment or comparison. When we talked in the fall about Mountainside, our youth talked about being lighthearted and right-hearted. Um, and I think that's good guidance for us. That wholehearted doesn't mean we always have to show up in the right mood or headspace. Um, sometimes we get ready here. Uh, sometimes we show up trusting that someone else will hold faith for us today. That someone else will worship wholeheartedly for us today because just getting here took all we had. Um, it's okay to be here half-hearted. It's okay to be here broken-hearted and to be who we actually are as a church um, as well as, as people. And I I go back to this picture <laughs> from a long time ago. Um, some of these folks are still in the room, still leading us in worship. Um, we, yeah, this is from the Methodist Church basement, um, that we, we're not asking anyone to bring pretense, but to come as who we actually are and to be the church we actually are. And to be the church we are now, in this season, in 2024, and whatever that means for us. Um, I bring my rotting food to compost every Sunday morning when I come to worship. 
and, um, and dump it in the compost bin out there. And I think there's, there's, there's more than like one level to that practice for me. For me, that's part of being wholehearted, part of bringing all the stuff from my week to this place and into this space together. And I think we, ought, we, we need that. Um, I also want to invite us, as we think about wholehearted worship, to let the kids and youth lead us forward in this. There are so many ways that we could think about this, but ch children model being wholeheartedly present in play. They're discovery-prone. They're curiosity-driven. And this is good for all of us. And godly play and the way that we invite our kids into worship um, there's some really good principles there. We get ready. We make space for each other. We enter into sacred stories together and retell those stories. We respond. We, we do holy work together. We remind each other that we have all the time we need. These are all wholehearted invitations to trust. Um, and I think about our teenagers, I think about the way that they help lead us in worship. I think about how Zeke faithfully plays week after week after week as part of music leadership. Can we give it up for Zeke right here? Thank you. I think about, I think about all the ways that our students invite us. And, you know, one of the things I do is research, and um, there's a lot of research out there about there's some recent research that young people are very open to the sacred. Um, and even if they don't show up in churches, that today's young people are really looking for spiritual experiences, looking for the really real, and want help making meaning out of life, um, out of the extraordinary as well as the mundane, looking for connection with something bigger than themselves. And our middle schoolers and our high schoolers here have ideas for wholehearted worship at Mountainside, and we need to make space for that. We need to make space for that. One more, and then I want to get us actually moving around the room before the kids come back. Um, and that is that we, wholehearted worship invites us to turn our focus towards God. What God has done, what God is doing, what God can do, what God will do, ultimately if we're going to talk about wholehearted worship here, if we're going to practice it, it needs to be about God. Worship is not for us. It is for God. That God is the recipient, the audience, the one we honor, the one we praise, the one we ask for help and for healing. That if we're going to worship wholeheartedly, it has to be about God. And you can amen that. There we go. And I want to invite us here, okay, to be active participants in this and active ideators. And so I'm actually going to invite us here to move around and to um, write and talk about some ideas. And in a minute, I'm going to invite us to move, okay? But the, the question here is, well, how can we all be part of wholehearted worship this year? What ideas could we try? And how would you like to participate? How would you like to participate? Um, so many people participate in so many ways. Mountainside is in so, I mean, 
our worship is more volunteer run than, than so many churches. Uh, the, the fact that we don't actually pay any musicians at Mountainside, I'm not sure if you know how strange that is, um, but John up here as a, as a volunteer, Kurt, Daniel, Nancy, those who volunteer their time to lead us in musical worship. Um, so much of our, I mean, our tech, the fact that folks running tech are volunteers. So much of this is participatory. People show up and unlock the building, thank you, Joel, and bring the bread and set this up. And we need that kind of participation. We need your participation in art and to paint things and to make this space creative in different seasons. We need your participation in, um, in poetry and readings, in teaching, on and on and on. And so I've put some, some paper around the room, okay? Uh, and that one says planning. That one says hospitality, sanctuary space, which also includes uh, visual arts and tech, scripture and liturgy, which includes teaching and readings, prayer is over here, and music is over there. And what I'm going to invite us to do in a minute is think about your ideas. Actually, could I get some help passing these out? We have post-it notes. We have markers. There's another basket of pens in the back. Can we just get these around the room? Thank you so much. Um, and I'm curious about our ideas. You can walk around, all right, and put your ideas on the wall. The kids are going to come back at some point here, and I'll, and I'll pull us back together to frame Eucharist. But I want to get us thinking, what would wholehearted worship look like at Mountainside in 2024? And what ideas do you have? By the way, if you have a specific thing and you'd like to like contribute that, put your name on the post-it note. All right? It's not going to help us if you say, I want to bake bread for Eucharist, but you don't put your name on it. So please put your name on it. Okay? Um, or I'd love to volunteer to be part of the music team, but I'm not sure how. Put your name on it and put it over there. Okay? Yeah. I want to, and I want to say, this is not just give the pastoral team more assignments or give our musicians more assignments. This is like, we have ideas together and we want to participate together. All right? Just put Jen Hicks' name on every post-it note that you know. I'm just kidding. Okay, let's do it. Get up, move around. Yes, question. Oh, good. Could be. It's any of, sure, yes. Because the kids are here, so let's just do it, all right? So let's move around, do it. I would say, if you, like, planning is another, maybe some of your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, you can put these post-its up all the way through Eucharist, but I want to give us a few minutes right now to do that. And then when all our kids are here, um, I'll, I'll center us and we can move together towards the table. As we come to the Eucharist table, we remember that wholehearted worship 
it's not just for here, it's for beyond. It's for our everyday lives we carry with us. But this practice grounds us, it anchors us in the stories that we retell and the reminders that we need about God's goodness and the testimony that we share about God's faithfulness and the prayers where we ask God to act. We remind one another that God has not left us alone. And we remind one another of what, of what love can do, of what God can do. Eucharist is a whole body practice. And yes, it can be a little chaotic here. And in that, we invite one another to the table. We invite God's spirit. And we invite each other in. This practice is a gift. It's a gift from God for us to share together. So let's do this together. We remember. We remember and we retell this story that on the night on which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he blessed it and he shared it with his friends and he said, take this and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And in the same way on that night, he took the cup and he blessed it and he poured it and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood poured out for all. And whenever you drink this, remember me. And so we remember together as we share this meal that we proclaim Christ's death and his resurrection and we live in hope for Christ to come again. <laughs>